Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn how to get big bucks in financing from a hardware founder that has raised almost $500 million in funding for various scaling startups. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Brett Fox to the show. Brett has a long history of raising millions of dollars for both his own hardware startup and for many other founders. Brett also sat as an entrepreneur in residence for a major Silicon Valley venture capital firm. Today, Brett's going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can raise seed funding and venture capital funding, how to eventually raise millions of dollars to grow and scale your product after you first got to market. Now, on to the episode. Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, we were just talking before the show. It looks like you used to live the life that I used to live, flying once or twice a week between various offices. You were between Portland and uh, California. You got it. I did that for about six painful years, every week, Monday morning on a flight, Friday evening back home. And it's like you and I were talking about before. It's like you don't know where you are. You know, are you in? Are you in Oregon? Are you in California? It, it's very, very disjointing. Uh, you know, to do that. And then, fortunately, near the end of my time doing that, I met my wife. And that ended it. I went from four days a week on the road to one day a week on the road within a year. Wow. And I got married and that, <laughs> that was the end of that. I, I know the feeling because I, in my prime of flying, you know, a couple of times a week and then between time zones. So going between yeah. our Austin, Toronto office and Miami office and over the San Francisco office, oh, <laughs> you know, but you start uh, losing track of up from down after a while. Well, That's I'm it. excited to talk to you today. Why don't you just run through a bit of your background in terms of raising capital and your work with semiconductors and, uh, you know, you've built company yourself and Mm -hmm. lots of stuff in your your background to really get into the topic around raising funding today. Right. So I personally raised over $100 million uh, in my career. And then I've helped the entrepreneurs that I've worked with now raise about $400 million uh, as as well. So I've been around a lot of fundraisings. I know what works. And I absolutely know what doesn't work. And I've also seen a lot of the changes that have happened that we've seen happening over the last 10 years or so in venture capital, private equity, um, angel funding, all that type of stuff as well. And it's great because you've had, done a lot of work in the semiconductor space, which obviously is kind of the top of the pyramid once you get into a lot of consumer electronics, especially electronic hardware products. But I think a lot of what you deal with in terms of raising capital, uh, especially for hardware, is it's applicable whether or not there's electronics or non-electronics. A lot of these philosophies apply. So I want to kick it off with just as at a high level, explain to everybody the difference between um, seed capital, angel investments, and venture capital. Okay, fantastic. So um, not all investors are created equal, and it's really important to understand who you're dealing with. So if you look at this as kind of like a pyramid or whatever, one way to think about it is size of investment. So if I'm looking for angel funding, that could be anything from $10,000 friends and family kind of angel angel funding to $100,000 to maybe $500,000. I've even seen angel rounds of 3 million or so. So it can be all the way up maybe to $3 million. Then you have, you know, seed funding, which it's 
which can be from smaller VC funds, micro VCs, maybe even VC firms. And that maybe is in the range of a million dollars to three or $4 million. Then we get into the bigger money, the venture money. So VC funds, and again, not all funds are created equal. Not, not all funds are created by stage. So there's gonna be all sorts of different parameters that we're gonna be looking at here. And venture capital firms, might invest anywhere, let's say from $3 million minimum round all the way up to $100 million, $150 million rounds. It all depends upon size and what they're trying to do in objectives. Well, that's, a, that's a great summary. And I love having the hard numbers to, to make it relevant because yeah. as you're scaling your product business, it's important to think down the chain. Um, yes. you know, and I think the first one, I don't want to go into too much detail on the first one. We have talked about it on prior episodes, but that's kind of that friends and family, uh, yeah. that, that early money, right. That angel money. Um, but I want to kind of look a little bit further towards, okay, let's say you're now trying to try to scale the business. Yes. Um, and, and you want to get some more serious money. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is, a, this is something that whether you're at the start of your product journey, uh, or whether you're right in the heat of looking for a round, I think your experience here in raising these rounds and, and elevating mm-hmm. it through uh, to the bigger and bigger rounds really is powerful um, for people to know early on in the process. So you can think about it around your hardware product as you're even as early as the development phase. So why don't you walk us through, how do you go from, you know, you've got a little bit of a proof of concept at what point are you kind of ready or what should you have as a hardware company now to start approaching the next round, which is kind of that, that professional seed, maybe micro venture round um, to get some serious, you know, early serious bucks in the door. Absolutely. So part of it is traction. That's going to be a big part because what are investors looking for? It's risk reduction. They want to see that you have customers. They want to see you've got, uh, uh, customers paying you. So there are two ways to look at this. The uh, first way can be number of customers that you have. That's really important. So that's going to depend. So that could be maybe 10 customers is good enough. It could be 100 customers. It's going to be also inversion of price. So how much are you selling for? What are your ASPs? All those things are going to come into play here. So if you've got, let's say, greater than a million dollars in revenue, that's going to be a great number to have. If you have 500 customers paying you, paying you, let's say, $50 a piece for something, that might be good enough. So it's going to be somewhere in that continuum of number of customers versus revenue. And obviously, the more, the better, because the more proof of concept you have, the easier it's going to be to prove to investors that you're onto something. I love that you use the word proof here. Yeah. Because I think in hardware, that's a really key milestone. And the only way that you get proof is by getting getting your product to production, yes. manufacturing real units, getting yeah. them into users' hands, yes. and then having people say, look, I, I love this thing. Yes. And that is really, you know, especially in hardware, I mean, that is key and critical proof to your first kind of major professional round that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And the, obviously the further you push that, the better, the more customers. But I think as a, as a benchmark, and I think it's a bit of a misconception, you know, at the angel level, angels can invest in anything, right? If, if it's your uncle Bob, you know, they may just invest in your idea, that's but that right. doesn't really count, right? That's what gets you kind of off the ground. That's what gets you in your R and D. But when you want to get serious, you need to know what is kind of that base threshold that a professional grade investor is going to look for to even consider your product. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the the key thing here, the key word is proof. The only way to prove it, obviously, in hardware is in manufacturing. Yes. So now 
let's talk about that proof. I know you've seen a lot of things that kind of work and don't work over the years. Right. Um, I like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, it could just be a few hundred units, but if they're real people, pay, you know, whipping out their credit card for a real thing, that, that creates a tremendous amount of de-risking for the investors. So That's what right. are some of the things that hardware companies can do at this stage for this investment round to really tilt the odds in their favor to, uh, to get, you know, an investor and ideally a good investor on board uh, as a mm -hmm. partner? That's right. So part of this is think creatively. And if we're thinking creatively, how do we get people to pay us? And maybe we don't have a completed product yet. Maybe we're still in prototype phase. Maybe we're simulating with software. Whatever these things are, we can get people to prepay us, to give us pre-orders. We can also do crowdfunding as another example of this, to get people to show that they're willing, willing with their wallets to pay us something. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. It'd be part of it. But that is huge proof of concept that somebody wants to pay you something. All these things register with investors and help you along the way. So that's what you're looking for is come up with creative ideas to get out there and show your product works, to show people that, hey, this is what it's going to look like, even if you're not done, even if you need more money, which is part of the reason why we're raising money, right? Is we need more money to develop our hardware product. That's fine. We can show in software that works, especially with the simulation tools available today. There's so much we can show in software to show exactly what the product's gonna look like in hardware. And you can convince people to buy. I have seen people do this. This is part of what I did when I was raising money years ago. This is part of what I've seen other hardware startups that I've worked with do also. So you can do these creative things to help yourself along the way. And that's the beauty of like crowdfunding is an amazing tool there, but it doesn't just have to be crowdfunding. I like how you said pre-orders. Pre-orders can also come at the business to business level, a B2B. It can be in the form of letter of intents from distributors, other manufacturers, retailers, wholesalers, you name it. Yes. Uh, but the key is you're, you're showing something to say, okay, look, people are really wanting to buy this. And I like how you mentioned this here too, because um, the way I said it and you said it were actually a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I was talking about, you know, getting to production, getting units into people's hands. But what you're saying is you can actually start to access some of this, this stuff potentially mm -hmm. even earlier on in the process, um, as long as you can show that people have been willing to buy it. They ne yes. might not even necessarily have it in their hands yet, but you're showing kind of that market validation. And I think, you know, one beautiful thing, uh, especially in the physical product space, is that prototypes can go a long way. That's right. Right. You can, you can use your, you know, like you said, digital software, you can make um, really, I mean, these days we're making prototypes at, at Macro Design. We've got prototypes. It's hard to tell, arguably better than the manufactured units. Mm -hmm. And then you can use all kinds of software to sell it. And, yep. uh, and you, you can take videos of it. You can describe everything. You can yeah. test the functionality. So you're, you're, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're, you're learning how to make a better product out of it. But then simultaneously, you're using that prototype or prototypes for your actual production materials. And maybe there's some software elements to it as well that mm -hmm. you're using. Uh, but the key is here, you're, you're trying to get as much out there so that you can sell it to get those users so that when you go to the investor, you're showing that, and I love the word you use there, proof. Yes, ex exactly correct. Wouldn't change a word about what you said. That's perfect, actually. So talk about proof a bit, a, a bit more because um, when we're dealing with hardware, you know, mm -hmm. at, at what level, at what level of proof do we now start to scale up to getting even that bigger round? And you talked about venture capital financing. I know you've gone to that level before yes. and you've helped lots of people get to that level too. So what additional burden of proof is needed 
when you move from that seed round up until you know the the multi-million dollar rounds for venture capital to, to really mm-hmm. start scaling your business? Okay, so it's a really good question. So beyond the physical product and beyond uh, the customer stuff that we just talked about, the other piece of this that's really interesting is you have to think about from the investor standpoint, what are they looking for? If I'm going to invest, let's say $20 million in your company, I'm probably gonna take 20% of that company. One of the things that you learn about financing businesses is it's a very mechanical process. In other words, the valuations are very much percentage driven, especially early on. I need 20% ownership of the company. If I'm going to invest $20 million, that means, okay, there's a valuation of the company that we can all agree on. And that's just basic math at that point. That's going to be $100 million. We already know that. So that's just simple math. So if I know that, and I also know that early stage investors are looking at a return of at least 10x, let's say 10x to 30x on their money. That means that that $20 million investment, if the company is successful, they're looking to make $200 million to $600 million on that money. That tells you then you can do the math from that and say, okay, if that's true, if I've got to have a $200 million to $600 million on 20% of my company, that means the company has to be worth a billion, let's say to $3 billion. I think that's the right math if I got that right. Um, So that kind of tells you, can your company be worth that? And this is part of what you need to be very intellectually honest about as you go through the process is can you get to these kind of numbers? Because if you can't, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, investors may not be interested. Number two, if they are interested, it's likely to be a non-optimal ending for you. So you want to really understand the, the dynamics of where you can get to with your funding. If you've got the ability to grow a business that way, then fantastic. If you can show people you've got a big market, that it's exciting for people to get into what you're doing, uh, that you've already got customers buying from you, that you can dominate the niche that you're in, fantastic. You're on your way and you can raise money based on that. That's the dynamics you're looking for. And that's uh, it brings up a really good point is you really need to consider whether venture capital is even appropriate for your business. Right. The, the, I hear that 10x number a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great it's a great thing to look at when you're considering the value of your company, because you have to really be honest with the fact that you believe that you can get that investor 10 times return on their money. Of course, you're going to have to convince them of all that world changing product, all this sort of stuff. I'm sure, you know, a lot of inventors believe in their product, but they need to understand that you can financially execute on this venture capital though. Remember that that, that's, that's only one type of financing and that's only one type of way to grow the company. So you really have to ask the honest question. Am I really looking to grow like a tech firm? Because essentially, that's what you're valued against. Your hardware product is valued against some software product, and they can invest Mm -hmm. in one or the other. And they're looking for the one that's going to give them the least risk on that 10x return. Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe that you can do that, or maybe you don't want to give away the equity in order to do that, or maybe you want to build the company to be more valuable before you are offering that first, then you have to even ask yourself the question, is is venture capital even worth it? That's right. So that's absolutely correct. And those are all good decisions to make. Remember this, uh, only 1% of all all startups are funded by venture capitalists, 1%. That does not mean your hardware company is a bad company if you decide to go a different route. If you decide to bootstrap or whatever else you decide to do, that's fine. It's just whatever's right for you. This is a possible avenue for you. If you have the right dynamics, if everything fits right, 
you can do it. If it doesn't fit, that's cool too. Those are all decisions you can make along the way. One of the nice things about venture capital, I find too, um, for many of the companies we've worked with that got VC backed is that they do mm -hmm. usually also come with a tremendous amount of resources mm -hmm. uh, as well, right? And obviously, like you said, not all firms are created equal, but That's I know right. it's quite daunting, especially if it's a first time uh, aggressively scaling a hardware startup. It's their first time doing a seven-figure raise, uh, mm -hmm. which is, of course, valuing you at yeah. 50 to 100 plus million dollars uh, yes. eventual value so that they can get their money out or more. Yeah. Like you said, you can get into huge numbers when it when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, especially if you've got a, you're attacking a bigger market. That's right. um, but keep in mind that the, the VC's job is to enable you to do your best work, but also mm -hmm. they've gone through this process many times. That's they right. know how an exit strategy works. They know how you need, you know, they know how to work with you to make sure that your numbers start working with them as well. Um, they, they've got a tremendous amount of experience. Generally, they've got boards, they work with firms like ours mm -hmm. to help with product development, that sort of mm -hmm. stuff on the, on the backside to make sure that that side is good. There's right. a lot that a VC can do for you. So I always feel that um, it's important to consider not just the money, but also who it is that you're partnering with to make sure that I always, when I'm talking to, you know, hardware startups, I like to think, okay, if you're getting money, especially a little bit later stage, especially when you're giving up a lot of the company, mm -hmm. make sure it's what I would call smart money, money sure. that's going to help you. It's not just dollars, it's dollars and experience, which can really get you over that, that finish line, both for you and for, and for them, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're signing up to a deal that both parties are happy uh, upon exit years later, right? That's, that's right. I agree. I call it being in alignment with your investors. Your goals and your investors' goals should match. If they don't match, you know, the flip side is you're gonna have problems. If they match them, then great. If they see the same market that you do, if they, if they have the same financial outcome that you do in terms of what they want from the company, if they have the same timeframe that you do for that financial outcome, okay, if everything's great, then you're aligned properly and you're good to go because they're gonna be pretty much wanting the same outcomes that you're going to want. Um, so that I, I think that's a really important point that you're making. And it's absolutely correct. I mean, because that, that's what they want. Now, the nice thing is that in ways that venture capital has changed positively, um, I want to reassure all the CEOs out there, VCs are not looking to replace you. They want you to succeed. They truly do, because there's no benefit in them getting rid of you. There's so much DNA of a company inside of your brain that the worst thing they can do, the most risky thing that they can do is fire you. They're not after that. They want you to succeed. They want you to win. That's their mission. That's, the, that's their goal. So their, their bet is on you and the team that you've built that you guys are gonna be able to execute. That's their goal. That's, that's great insight. It's nice hearing it from you. It's gone th through the process as well. And I know you hear some horror stories out there and whatnot, but again, most of the time, uh, if you if you focus on that alignment factor, you can ask those hard questions. Yes. Keep in mind that these VC meetings, they're, they're, it's a two-way street. Yes. Right? You, you may desperately want that money. You may desperately feel like you need this as an opportunity, but that does not mean you should lose sight of asking them the, the serious questions. I love the one that you mentioned about exit. Mm -hmm. That's one that seems to come in later in the conversations. If they're coming in and they're going to invest, when do they want out? 
How much do they want out for? How do they want that to take place? Because if that's dramatically different from what you see as as the Mm -hmm. output of the company, you're going to be misaligned from day one because your goals are going to be misaligned from day one uh, as per outcome. So those are the strong conversations that are good to get on, uh, you know, out on the table early. And what I always say when people are talking to these investor meetings is, uh, don't don't be afraid to to don't be afraid to to give them the straight goods. Yes. What is it that you truly want? What's in your heart? You don't mm-hmm. need to come in with this big veil and you're trying to say all the right things. And th- this isn't like a a job interview. This is something where you're saying, "Here's what I want. This is what I'm doing. This is my value." And you know what? Mm-hmm. If, if 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 when you meet the right investor, whether it's mm-hmm. a VC or whether this is even right at the very early mm-hmm. stages, whether it's Uncle Bob with his mm-hmm. you know fifty thousand dollar investment. Yeah. Um, if you get these conversations to be honest and transparent from the get-go, yes. you're going to get far better partnership results down the line. Don't worry if you lose a few along the way, mm-hmm. because eventually the right one is going to hit that is aligned with those same goals that you have. That, that That's a thousand percent correct. You know, look, you're going to be in a seven to 10 year relationship with these people. Think about that. That's a long relationship. It's a lot like a marriage. You know, I, I, I talk about the same thing with co-founders as well. You have to really think about, are you going to want to work with this person for the next seven to 10 years of your life? Because it's the likely outcome if it's positive. So if it's not, better to understand that early, just like you said, than later. You know, so better to understand to make sure that everything is right, right from the beginning. And what's interesting is one of the other things that I've done in my career is I was also an entrepreneur in residence inside of a VC fund in San Francisco. And I learned a lot about how VCs think. I sat in on investor meetings. I sat in on how they debriefed. So I have a really good feel for um, what, it, what it's like to be a venture capitalist in the way that they go at this. They want you to be asking questions. They want to feel like everything's out on the table. The issue of transparency is so critical that you just mentioned, Kevin. That is, that is crucial to them because they want to make sure that they're not being BSed. They want to make sure that everything is right about you. They're going to do a ton of diligence. They're going to do a ton of research. But the personal side of the relationship is really, really important. And when you're raising money, the other interesting thing, just to add on one more little bit here, is fundraising is not a logical process. It's an emotional process. The emotion comes first. They fall in love with you, which is really interesting. We're talking about millions of dollars, but it's really they fall in love with the idea, they fall in love with the concept, then the logic comes second in, ter- in terms of the diligence that they do, both in the meetings they have with you and their own research. But the thesis is formed early. It's like, wow, I love this idea. I love this hardware company that's in here. I wanna be involved in this. And then they go through a checklist of things to, to make sure it fits. And that's the way that essentially VCs work. That's a great insight, Intel. Brett, do you have any last uh, last words of wisdom to folks at any at any level of investing? Whether it's you know they're they're asking for their first few thousand bucks from a from a relative, or whether they're asking for a few million from a VC. Um, over your career of many years doing this, do you have any last pieces you want to leave them with? And then, um, um, how can you know folks get to know the work that you do more, or you know anything else that that you want to share with them? And uh, then we'll say goodbye. Perfect. Okay, great. So let me answer your question first about what they can do. Um, what's really important? Let's go back through it. Alignment is critical. Think about alignment. Don't be afraid to ask questions, just like you were pointing out, Kevin. It is a two-way street. People forget this. Um, And yeah, it's tough out there and everything else, but you know what? You can do this. 
There are simple things you can do to reduce risk all along the way. Think about those things as you're going through the process. Be creative. Ask people for help. It's amazing how many people will want to help you all throughout your journey. That's what I found as well, both as an entrepreneur and also working uh, with entrepreneurs. There are tons of people out there that will help you. I needed help on doing the simulation really early. I couldn't do it. I asked a friend of mine, would he do the simulation for me? He did it. And it was crucial for us in terms of what we needed to do at that point in time. It's amazing what people will do to help you. Remember that. So there are a lot of good people out there. There are a lot of good investors out there also. Ask them when they're done. Um, this is another good tip also, um, is ask everybody that you talk to who says no. Who else would you think can help us? Who else might be interested in investing? And you know what's interesting about that? That's how I found my first investor was asking that question of somebody. Who wow, said, smart. We're passing, love what you're doing, but we're going to pass. Here's why. Um, and then I said, well, anybody else you know? And he said, well, there's this other fund, Opus Capital. Um, you know, I can make the introduction or if you know somebody over there, you can do it yourself. I recommend you do it. Turned out I knew one of the partners over there through another connection I had, asked my connection to help me. He helped me. And then a month later, we had our first investor. Wow. So that, that's, that's a way to do that. Solid so, advice. You know, something yeah. I like pairing with that, you, yeah. you, you kind sure. of mentioned it there too, is asking why they didn't invest and yes. listening very, very carefully to yes. what they say, right? A lot of the time you're just going to get, you know what, this, this isn't in our MO. Yes. Or, you know, we're, we're just not in these types of deals. That's but right. other times they, they may be willing to give you some candid, honest feedback that yes. might be the game changer on your next meeting. So, so, you know, so double-edge so that sword, right? No, no reason to waste a turndown, <laughs> this yeah. is the way that I, I would look at yeah. it, right? You yeah. can just it, leave and, and exit the room, but there's two big things. Um, you know, ask what they could have done better. And like you said, ask if there's someone else that they can think of that maybe you should yeah. connect with. Yeah. And on the thing that you can do better, it's all about the detail of what you hear, because a lot of it is going to be very generic. But every once in a while, you'll hear these real nuggets of information, which can totally transform what you do. So, so true. Um, so into your, your second question in terms of how people can find me, you can go to my website, brettjfox.com. I have a free giveaway for everybody today that's listening. I have a free pitch deck template. If you're interested in raising money, it's there for you for free. Right well, you on. Go to that website, brettjfox.com forward slash Mako, M-A-K-O, uh, and it's yours for free. And um, it has all the slides you need. It has a note section below each slide to explain what to do, what to put in there and everything else. And it's there for you for free. Wow, that is incredibly generous. Very helpful. So if, if you're um, anywhere in the thinking about in raising investment or you're in the investment process, uh, head over there. I'll put all the show, uh, all, all the links in the uh, show notes as well. Um, so you can go to the website, go to that uh, free giveaway. And uh, Brett, uh, much appreciated for your, your insight behind the scenes of the VC market. I know it could be a bit elusive at times. So I really appreciate you coming and uh, giving us behind the curtains here today. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent.
the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.